All right, so how is everybody? Everybody doing okay? Everybody awake? All right. So, we're continuing through our sermon series going through the book of James called Where Faith Meets Life. Just looking at how our faith captures everything about our lives. How our faith is not just one small aspect of our life, but our faith influences every part of our lives from our thoughts to our speech to our actions to the way we interact with people and tonight we're going to look at just how we utilize our time and if we are leveraging our lives for the glory of Christ so I want to start with a little bit of scenario and I want to get a little bit of feedback from y'all on this so I'm looking for answers so here is my scenario all right Let's say, everybody loves money, right? Who doesn't love money? Okay, let's say out of the graciousness of my heart, I decide that I'm going to give each and every one of you $100,000. All right, you're welcome. (laughs) How are you going to spend the money? Okay, invest. Uh-huh. Okay. 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 Clayton. Okay. Okay. Bailey. Okay. Okay, let me, let me add another stipulation. It would be $100,000 a day. A day. The thing is, I could, I could reduce the amount or increase the amount you get at any point, and I could take it away and cut you off at any point. Okay? So, Naomi. Okay. Okay. Gracie. Okay, so my thing has always been to just like at least half of the money that I get to give to like different foundations, like primarily just like Christian foundations. Okay. Like, like, I don't know. But, and then I would probably like save some for college. Okay. And then, like, I guess the next week he gives me some, I would probably start giving some for myself and my family. Okay. All right, Abby, then Nathan, then Seth, and we'll move on. I would do two-tenths of it for myself to, like, spend money. Okay. And I would do four-tenths of it for college. Okay. And four-tenths for church. Okay. Nathan. Fair? Seth. Okay. So a lot of y'all had different answers. Some of y'all, some of y'all thought, okay, I'm going to give this to others because it's, I've been blessed by this, so I want to bless others. Some of you go, okay, I think a real nice new truck would look real good in my driveway or like four wheeler or whatever. Prius. I don't know. Whatever, whatever, whatever you best see fit. And some of you thought ahead. You're like, well, if I'm going to get this money today. I'm just going to assume I'm going to get it tomorrow and next week. So I'm going to plan ahead for some of these things. 
Now, let me give you more of a, a specific number of what we spend on. How about 86,400? Anybody know the significance of that? Food. No. That is how many seconds are in one 24-hour day. 86,400 seconds in a single day. And so, so here's this. God gives us 86,400 seconds in a day. And what I want to ask us this is how are we spending each and every one of those seconds? Because the thing is, a lot of times we assume we'll have it tomorrow. Or for some of us, to get more personal, you need to do homework some. Well, I have tomorrow, or I have next week, or I got till the end of the semester to work on it. We always assume that we have later down the road. Or we plan ahead like, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to graduate, I'm going to take care of this, I'm going to go to a four-year university at this particular school, graduate, find someone, maybe start a family, things like that. All these planning things which aren't inherently bad, but what I want us to ask the question is, is how are we truly utilizing that? Are we utilizing it to glorify Christ or are we using it more for our own personal gain? Or more specifically, are we aligning what we desire with what God desires? Are we, are we truly saying, okay, with our lives and our plans, are we submitting it to God and his will or are we going ahead and planning ahead what we want and having God try to submit to that? Which one are we doing? And so what I want us to look at tonight is what we'll see is that we're not guaranteed tomorrow and that all these things truly come from God, from our lives to our plans to everything else. So if that's the case, then we should submit that to him. Because here's the thing. We, as just fallen, sinful human beings, we're prone to live our lives and plan our lives for ourselves and what's best for us. Because naturally, we want to be the king of our own hearts. We want to do what's best for us. And that's just naturally how our hearts are bent towards. But what I want us to see is that ultimately everything is held in the hands of God and that he's the one that holds tomorrow. He's the one that truly holds our plans and our lives. And we should submit all of that to him and his lordship. So what our main point for tonight is the gospel commands us to humbly surrender our lives and plans to the Lord. The gospel commands us to humbly surrender our lives and plans to the Lord. Because like I said, what we're going to look at tonight is just two different kind of mentalities that we could have, two different types of attitudes we can have in response to living our life and the plans we might have for our lives. And what I want us to see is that ultimately God knows best. So if you have your copy of God's word, we are in James chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17. We are in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and read this here. Here is the word of the Lord. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Let's pray again real quick. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. Again, I pray in this time over these next several minutes that you will just quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, free us from any distractions going on, maybe internally at home, at school, that you will free us from distractions and help us focus in on what you have to teach us tonight. Again, that you will just help me hide behind your word and let the word speak for itself. And that your truth will be what takes root and will be what remains, not my opinions. So, dear Lord, I pray over this time that you will bless it, that you will honor it, and again, that you'll help us grow closer to your son, Jesus, and help us grow more as a family that you've called us to be here at LSM. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there is two truths that James wants us to get out of this. That, okay, if if the gospel commands us to humbly submit our lives and our plans to the Lord, then there's two truths we must understand from that. And the first one is this, that our lives are not our own. Our lives are not our own, but ultimately they are the Lord's. Like it says in verses 13 and 14, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears appears for a little time and then vanishes. So James' target audience in this is not non-believers, but believers, Christians who are deliberately planning stuff with an earthly, secular mindset without taking the will of God into account. And so we see there is like this, there's this self-confidence. There's this confidence in their plans. Like it says in verse 13, okay, they're saying today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town. We will spend a year there. We will trade and we will make a profit. There's this confidence in in what they're doing. And so, but what we must understand first and foremost is that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed these things that ultimately it's up to God with these successes or failures. But like I said, his target audience is believers that are, deli- that are planning with more of a secular, earthly mindset. So we need to understand first is that before we could ever submit our plans to Christ, we must submit our lives to Christ. So before we can ever have our paths set straight by the Lord, we must make sure we are submitted to the Lord. And so I want to ask you to think about this to yourself. Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? Have you truly placed your confidence in him? Or are you placing your confidence for tomorrow in your own abilities and in your own hands? Or are you placing your confidence in the one who holds tomorrow? Do do your plans make room for God's will for your life? Because here's the thing. What I want us to understand when, when these people say, okay, go into such and such a town for a year, trade, make a profit. What James is not worried about is them making a profit or for them spending a year there, however much time they're there, whatever town they go into. Instead, he is more worried about the attitude that is behind those plans. That attitude that is leaving the will of God and his sovereignty out of the question. That the plans aren't necessarily evil. I mean, they're just saying, we'll go into town and we'll make a profit. We'll go into town and spend such and such a year there, trade, make a profit. They're not inherently evil. To put it in more modern day terms, it would be like, okay, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to earn a degree. I'm going to start a career, get married, start a family, things like that. Not inherently evil things. 
But again, it's the attitude behind it of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do and what I best see fit for these things. Or we could put the reverse of that. Maybe we're just assuming we have time later on. That, okay, well, I can, I can just kind of do my own thing now. I'll go through college. Maybe then I'll settle down with a family and things like that. And then maybe I'll do, like, the will of God to pursue him or follow him more passionately then. Until then, I'll kind of live my life for myself. But again, ultimately, our plans, our lives are not our own. They belong to Jesus. And he has better plans for us. And so this kind of an illustration I would give for, like, how... Our plans might not be inherently evil or bad or anything else like that, but he has better plans. Is, uh, an example for me is actually back when I was in high school. Not many people know this. When I was in high school, about freshman, sophomore year of high school, I had it in my mind I wanted to be an optometrist. So basically an optometrist is it's an eye doctor. People go see you to get your eyes checked on a yearly basis. Because I had a freak accident when I was three that affected my vision. So I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to use that and I'm going to help others. I'm going to help others. I can make a lot of money in the process. And there's this girl I'm dating at the time. So I'll probably end up marrying her too. So everything will be good. Again, not inherently evil off the top of my head. In fact, I was like, okay, I was three. I had this accident. I want to use that to help other people. But what I wasn't taking into account is ultimately, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Or is this in alignment with what you truly want me to do? And so let me ask you this. Do you make these plans before praying to the Lord about it or make these plans of what you desired most? Do your plans make room for God's will in your life? Are you willing to surrender those plans to the will of God and be okay if he changes them? Are you okay if God makes a slight change or a major change in your plans? Are you okay with a slight degree or a total 180? Are you okay with that? Because here's what we must understand. Our lives and plans should submit to the will of God and not have God submit to the will of our lives or plans. Again, our lives should submit to the will of God, but not have God submit to the will of our lives or plans. Because again, like we said, our lives are not our own. Ultimately, they belong to Jesus. In fact, in in this James, uh, in verses 13 and 14 of this, we'll go into such and such a town, we'll do these things that they're pursuing a prophet, things of that nature. They have this earthly mindset. It's exactly the same as in James 1, 10 and 11, where we saw the rich man was pursuing all these riches, but again, they're going to burn up and vanish because pursuing earthly things ultimately will end up vanishing. Not to pursue earthly wealth or to have your soul focus on earthly gain because again, it all vanishes. Because again, in verse 13, it's all about self-confidence and plans based off our own wills and desires. But verse 14 goes right up against that because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So then verse 13 says, okay, today and tomorrow, we're going to go into such and such a town and do these things. And then in verse 14, James says, we don't even know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what could happen tomorrow. You could have one plan tomorrow and it totally changes. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And so in verse 13, there's an assumption that that person has time. That, okay, I have tomorrow to take care of stuff for later in life. I actually like a, uh, uh, one of my favorite books that captures a big chunk of my heart for student ministries, a book called Rise by Trip Lee, about students rising above the expectations that society gives them. And he says this quote in it, Scripture treats time less like an entitlement and more like a treasure. Do we truly treasure the time that we have? 
do we truly treasure each and every day? Or just kind of go through the motions and pass through it? A way I would kind of describe how we treat our time, do we treat it more like an entitlement or more uh, like a treasure, is how many of you have a smartphone in this room? How many of you, your parents gave you that smartphone? How many of you would say, I'm entitled to this smartphone, that this is mine, that my parents don't have the right to see what's on my phone or check with these things or mess with me on these things? Right? Because why? Because our parents gave us this as a gift. But a lot of times we might take this and go, no, like, no, I, this is mine. You know, like I've, I've earned this, like this, this is my right to have this phone. But really, in all actuality, our parents were the one that graciously gave us, because they didn't have to give us a phone. They could have easily not. And they chose to, and in many ways, we are to treasure that. Like, you know, thank you the fact that you gave this to me and allow me to use it. Or maybe some of you that drive right now, maybe feel like you're entitled, like I should be able to drive. I should be able to take the car and take it wherever I want on a road trip or things like that. Instead, a lot of times their parents are very gracious in letting us drive to some of these places and using their cars. For example, Rebecca and I are very gracious that my mom and dad gifted me the car I currently have. And Rebecca's sister gifted her the car she has. We easily could be like, no, we deserve this. And we don't deserve it because it's a gift from them. It's the exact same thing with our time. That a lot of times we might have this entitlement, whether we realize it or not, just assuming we have tomorrow, assuming we have all these things we can take care of. And really, time is a precious gift that God gives us. So are we truly treasuring it and using every second of it to point people back to him? Because here's the thing. No one knows what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I've heard all of you earlier talking about how there's rain and how there's flu going around. Like, maybe we'll get out of school tomorrow. I don't know. The thing is, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. But you know what we can know? We can know of the one who holds tomorrow. We might not know what tomorrow holds, but we can know of the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. And the next day, and the next day, and next year. Here's the thing. Our plans may change. Things in our life may change. But we can place our plans and our lives into the hands of the one who never changes. In fact, it says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just because we don't know what tomorrow holds doesn't mean we don't take responsibility or action also, by the way. Just because like, well, we don't know what tomorrow holds, so I guess we'll just go with the flow and just not do anything. I mean, it's it's up to God, right? No, there's still responsibility on our end to take care of stuff and plan. It's not like we just willy-nilly, freely, just don't do anything either. But James goes through with this and saying, we don't know what tomorrow holds and goes against this self-confidence and just assuming these things. And then asks this question in verse 14, what is your life? What is your life? And basically what this word life means, the definition of this, it means substance. So what is the substance of your life? What makes up your life? Do you live your life to make Christ's name famous? Or do we live it to make our name famous? Which one are we living for? Is, your, is the substance of your life confidence in Christ or confidence in yourself? Because like he says here, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. He's saying our life is just like a mist, just like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. So, in fact, it says in Psalm 39, 5, it says, Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. So here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to take a deep breath in. 
and out. See how quick that was? James is saying that's how quick our life is. He's saying that is, the, that, is, that is how long our life could be, is that our life is here today and gone tomorrow. So what are we doing to make up for that? What are we doing to, to truly trust in Christ during that time? Is that we don't know the duration of it. We might not know the duration of how long our life is, but we know who holds it in his hands. We can have confidence in the one who holds our life, our plans, everything in the palm of his hands. Just as our life is as short as breath, us being able to take our next breath is all by his grace, all by his will and sovereignty. And we are to submit our lives and plans to that. The fact that how we took that deep breath just now and that represent how long James is saying our life is, just the fact that we're able to take our next breath in is just by his grace. And so when we understand that, we understand our life is not our own. And so then if our life is not our own, then we should be submitting our lives and the plans we have for our lives for him. Because ultimately he knows what's best. He knows what's going to go on in the future. He sees what's up ahead. That we are to have his sovereignty and his will be what rules over our lives. Not allow our will to be what, what we want to dictate to God of what he wants to do for our life. Because again, our lives are not our own. And since our lives are not our own, that leads to the second truth that James wants us to understand is that our lives and plans belong to God. So our lives are not our own because our lives and plans belong to God. Like it says in verses 15 through 17, instead, you want to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And so again, in verse 15, there's this shift in attitude. So in verse 13, it says, okay, we will go into town. We will go there for such and such time. We will make trades and we will make a profit. And then in verse 15, we see a total 180 shift in that mentality. It says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. And do this or that instead of I will do this or that. Because again, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And that's how our mentality, that's how our attitudes should be. Okay, if the Lord wills this. Our lives should be where we live to please the Lord in every area of life. But something I also want us to understand is God's sovereignty doesn't excuse us from taking responsibility for our actions. So yes, we know what tomorrow holds. We know ultimately everything belongs to God and everything is under his sovereignty and will. But that doesn't mean that there's not responsibility on our end. And like I said, it's not sinful for us to plan ahead or plan these things or want to go to certain colleges or want to go into certain careers. Because in the end, that might actually be where God is truly leading us to. Or maybe he's willing to change that. Like I said with mine, I wanted to be an optometrist and I wanted to marry the girl at the time. And God totally changed my life. Where a year after that, next thing you know, I am surrendering my life to him and he's calling me into ministry. Two wildly different things. Again, he ultimately knows what's best for us. 
is that rather his sovereignty doesn't excuse us from taking responsibility for our actions, but instead it should convict our hearts to seek to please God in all areas of our life. It should seek to make his name famous in every aspect of our life, from school to sports to work to we hang out with friends, everything, all of that, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we interact with people here and outside of here, all of it should seek to please God. What I'm saying is it doesn't exclude planning, but demands that we submit the planning to God's will and sovereignty. That we recognize our finiteness as humans and his sovereignty as God. So we recognize that we are finite. We are limited in what we can do, what we can know, what we can do. And we understand that God is infinite in all that he knows and all that he can do and all knowing of how he is. And so we're to submit that and plan ahead knowing with those two in mind. Again, it's this shift from I will do this or that to if the Lord wills, I will do this or that. Because we know exactly where our help comes from. We know where our next breath comes from. We know where our grace comes from. We know all of it truly comes from God because our lives belong to him. So if we understand that our lives belong to him and he's the one that holds tomorrow and he's the one that holds all plans, then we are to submit to him and saying, whatever you want me to do, I want to live for you and please you because I know ultimately it's going to satisfy me the most. And it's going to put me in the place to most glorify and honor you. So let me ask you this. Do you seek to please God at all times or when it is most convenient for you? Does your faith encompass all areas of your life? Are you the same at school, at work, as you are here at church? Do you submit all areas of your life to Christ or only the ones that you are willing to give up? Say, okay, God, you can have this part of my life and this part, but no, this, this part of my life, this is for me. Like, I'm, I'm going to hold this over here. Or like, you look, you can, you, can have, you can have me on church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but the rest of the week, that, that's for me. Or are you saying, no, 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 Lord, all of my life belongs to you. Do with it as you please. Use me however you seek best see fit. And that is how we're to do it. God, whatever tomorrow holds, whatever the plans hold, I know you have it in control. And I'm going to submit that to your lordship, knowing that you know best. Our mentality should be like that of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's about to go die on the cross and be crucified. He is, he is pleading to God, if you could take this cup and pass it from me, please. But then he says this in Matthew 26, 39, not my will, but yours be done. Or the same mentality that Jesus had in John 6, 38, where it said, Jesus came to do the will of him who sent me. He came to do the will of the Father. Because ultimately, everything is under his control. Everything is under his control. And that when we recognize that everything is ultimately in God's control, that should bring us comfort. Knowing, okay, I don't have it all together. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know. I could plan all day long and try to plan for the unexpected, but the unexpected could still happen. But we can still have faith and confidence and trust in the person that holds everything together. That by his words, the universe came into existence. By his word, things are held together. By his word, we can truly be transformed and saved. And by his word, that he holds us fast to him. In fact, I was, I was reading earlier in my quiet time where it says, all who come to me, I will never cast out. That is the confidence that we can have in Christ. Then we come to him and we are safely in him. No matter what happens, he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. 
and he's with us every step of the way in the good times and the bad times and everything in between. That he is ultimately in control and we recognize he is in control brings us peace. We know that he has everything under control. And when our lives get out of control or our plans thrown off, he is still constant. He is still consistent. He is still there. So it helps us to understand this. All successes and failures and even the continuation of life are all determined by God. All success and all failure are determined by God. Just the continuation of life is determined by him. He is ultimately in control over all of it. He is in control over all of it. And so that's what we got to understand is that we no longer have this mentality of verse 13 where it says, okay, I will do such and such. I will do this or that. But instead have this mentality that it says in verse 15, it says, no, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. Because then in verse 16, James goes back to rebuking, to talking about that mentality of verse 13. Where he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. So again, just as there was a contrast between the attitudes of verse 13 and verse 15, there's also a difference in what or who they're boasting in. So again, in verse 13, there's confidence in yourself. There's boasting in yourself and your accomplishments. But in verse 15, there is boasting in Christ. There's confidence in Christ, boasting in him and his finished work on the cross, his finished work and his sovereignty. In fact, what the word boast means in this, like that definition is, it's to show off verbally or glory, if you will. And so what we are to understand is that not all boasting is evil. Not all boasting is evil, but it's what you are boasting in. So just as verse 13 and verse 15 say, okay, what are you placing your confidence in? What's going to determine that is also what you are boasting in. So in this, a healthy boasting, a honestly an honoring boasting is when we boast in Christ and his finished work. In fact, it says that is the only thing we can boast in. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it says how we are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in our sins. We stand in judgment. But God, who is rich in mercy and full of love for us, saved us. We are saved by grace through faith. And it says this is a work of him. This is a free gift from him so that no one may boast in their own works, but only boast in Christ. That we are to boast in him. Our salvation, our success, our growth, our lives, Everything is all from Christ and for Christ. So does your life boast more about Christ or yourself? Does your life put God's center stage or do you put yourself center stage? Does your life point people to Jesus or to yourself? Because in verse 15, what, what James is saying, it's not boasting in your, it's not boasting in Christ, but it's boasting in yourself. It's, that's what he calls arrogance. That's why he says, as you boast, you boast in your arrogance. And what arrogance means, the definition of arrogance in this passage, what it means is this self-centeredness, that it's all about themselves, especially believing that all our achievements of, of their own doing. And so James is saying that's what this arrogance is about, that they're boasting in themselves, that their arrogance is a complete disregard to God. It's saying that this person is taking center stage of their life, that they're saying they're the king of their own hearts. 
They're boasting and planning of their own lives independently of divine guidance. That they're boasting in what they think is best and how they feel like they hold what, what they know is true, what they hold tomorrow holds, and what their plans are. They feel is best. That they are planning their lives outside of his guidance. But we see that we don't know what tomorrow holds, yet we brag about knowing the future. But ultimately what it says is for us as Christians, we are to submit to Christ. Because then James ends in verse 17 where it says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him is sin. Because again, he's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to Christians and their mindset. And how these are people that are having an earthly mindset of pursuing earthly wealth and gain and things of that nature. And he's saying, no, ultimately us as Christians... We are to submit our lives to Christ because we know our lives are not our own. We know that everything belongs to him. And so we know what the right thing to do is. But instead, some of us might choose to do what we feel is best for us. That maybe we, we wanted Christ to save. We want the benefits of Christ, but not all of Christ to be over all of our lives. We may not know what tomorrow holds. But again, if we are a follower of Christ, we know who holds tomorrow. We know, as it says in verse 17, the right thing to do. The right thing, what that means is morally excellent. And the right thing is to submit and to surrender our lives and plans to Christ. That if you are a follower of Christ, we're not allowing Christ to be the center of our lives, not allowing him to be the one that directs our steps, not allowing him to be the one we strive for, live for, seek to please in all we do, then we are sinning. If Christ is not at the center of everything we do, then we are ultimately are sinning. And it says this, it's like sins of omission are just the same as sins of commission. Basically what that means is, okay, omitting God, leaving God out of our planning process, having us be the center of our lives is just as much of a sin as us committing a sin physically. That Christ is to be the center of everything we do. A, uh, a beautiful verse that I... Th- that, that I've heard so often is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your hearts and lean not on your own understanding, for he will make your paths straight. Because here's the thing, our lives are not our own. Our plans are not our own. Everything belongs to God, and we are so to submit to him and his sovereignty and his direction for our lives. That we've got to understand, okay, I'm not going to lean on my understanding, but on the one who knows everything. I'm not going to try to make my plans for myself, but to the one who holds all the plans, holds the world in his hands. Who with just a single word spoke all of creation to existence. Who the one before we were ever born knit us together in our mother's womb that we are uniquely and wonderfully made. And he had great plans for us. Is that that is who we are to pursue. That is who we are to seek after is him. So let me ask you this. Is your life more like a blank check or a check wanting to be cashed? Is your life more like a blank check or a check wanting to be cashed? What I mean by that is your life more like a blank check where it says, God, here is my life. Use it however you best see fit. Whatever you want, here I am, send me. Whatever your life is, whatever you have planned for my life, this is what I want us to do. Or is your life more like a check wanting to be cashed? Like, okay, God, here is my plans. Here is my desires. Here's what I want. And I need you to cash it for me. Which one is our life more like? Which one are we seeking more of? Are we seeking to honor God with our lives? Are we leveraging our lives ultimately for him? And are we submitting our lives and plans to his sovereignty and will? Or are we just living our lives for ourselves? Because again, our lives are not our own. 
and our lives and plans ultimately belong to God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us, and I want us to enter into a time of response.